Welcome to the Positively You podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Larson, and I'm passionate about helping you shift the way you think so you can create a life you're absolutely obsessed with. Each week, I'll be bringing you a guest or a thought that's going to help you feel more optimistic and equipped to take real action. Get ready to push past limiting beliefs, ditch that negativity, and start showing up as the best and most positive version of you. Girl, let's do this. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Positively You podcast. Today, I'm so excited to chat with my friend, Anna. She is one of my best friends who I've never actually met in real life, but I will change that one day. Anna, I'm so happy to talk to you. I'm so happy to be here too. I'm also excited for the really actually meeting in real life situation to occur. Right. We have no idea when that will happen, but we're putting it out there and it will happen one day. Um, okay. Last year, Anna got her first book published and I had the honor and the privilege and everything of being behind the scenes of getting to hear the words of your book before it even became a book, like when it was just like written on a notebook and you were reading it to us on the floor and I fell in love with it. And, you know, I, I bought my copy and I waited for it to come. And when it came, I just, I have loved it so much. So, um, I'm getting ahead of myself because I'm so excited. Anna, do you want to kind of introduce yourself just a little bit and give everybody just like a quick little background about who you are and why they're going to fall in love with you? (laughs) <laughs> oh, well, sure. Um, I like long walks on the beach. No, my name is Anna. Um, I am a mother of four children. Um, I really am a believer in lifelong learning and doing the things that we have always set out and wanted to do. And I don't think that anything should limit us from doing those things. Uh, so writing this book was kind of one of those things that I had a million reasons to not do it. And I also had a million reasons to to do it. Um, and I chose to go for it. So it's one of the tenets of my life that I believe that we should pursue the things that we want to pursue, even if we have a million excuses that could tell us otherwise. So that's what the book was, um, a bucket list item that I really just wanted to do at some point in my life. And the idea for it came a lot sooner than I had anticipated. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and talk about like having all of the excuses in the world, like you wrote and got the book illustrated and published through a worldwide pandemic when your illustrator lived on the other side of the world. Yeah. Like, no, really I mean, when it. we're talking about excuses and like odds stacked against you, like you definitely had them. <laughs> it was kind of a miraculous thing. Um, it also though was kind of frustrating at times. And at many times I could have just said, this is too hard. It's taking too long. I don't want to do it. So I wrote the book in 2019 and the book was finally in print in 2021. Um, And it was, it was through a pandemic and just, I was homeschooling my children. If anybody remembers, I don't know if it was just because the illustrator was in Italy, but Italy was one of the countries that locked down really, really hard. And so that was something that, you know, we both talked about and it was a struggle and, um, but there, there's always going to be those things. It doesn't matter if we're in the middle of a worldwide pandemic. There's always going to be situations like that where if you want to do something, something's going to come up and you can either say yes or you can continue to move through it. And sometimes it just takes longer than you anticipated to take. 
Yeah, exactly. Well, and I loved being in the background and watching like the whole process and the book itself has just such an amazing message that I fell in love with, but then like getting the book to come to life was such an amazing process too, that there's so many lessons there. And I'm just, I'm grateful to you that you didn't throw in the towel and that you didn't go uh, like give up because the book is so good. And I, the thing that I love so much about the book, the book is called, I'll let everyone know. So you can like get off the edge of your seats, but it's called the little house saw. It's technically a children's book. It's beautifully illustrated and it, it's just a beautiful story. But what I love about it so much is that it's a children's book, but it's so deep. And there's so many like lessons that you've talked to me before. And you said, I have like the lessons and like the points that it is for me, but every person that reads it can kind of apply it to however that's going to help them. And that's kind of what I love. So I would love to know, and we've already kind of talked about this more, but what the book is for you, like what the underlying message is that you wanted to kind of portray? Um, I actually always thought that I would write a memoir uh, when I was older for my children and come to find out it came out illustrated and in rhyme. So it's kind of is what that is. It's, um, it's my story, but it also is a universal story of the human experience, really. Um, I wanted to make it simple enough for children to enjoy on a level that they could understand it. Um, also in preparation for what may be to come. I think oftentimes fairy tales were actually written not with all happy endings. And we have then, you know, changed them all over. And there's always a happy ending to the story, the fairy tales that we hear now. And that's not actually the reality of a lot of our <laughs> life. And so it was kind of, um, I thought that in my own life, I would have more control over mm, I guess I should say, I thought that based off of certain things I did in my life, it would in turn allow me to have more control over the outcomes of my life and protect me from hardship if I did certain things. Come to find out that actually is not a reality and um, sometimes life just happens. And so I think as a part of the human experience, everybody's going to experience some sort of downfall, cataclysmic event, something that's going to rock their world. And wrote the book kind of to prepare my children for that when it happens to them. Um, I wrote it for myself as kind of a cathartic experience to get it out. And I wrote it because it doesn't always have to be the end of the story. And so I am a firm believer in, you know, after something like that happens, we do. And I've, you know, spent years and years trying to do this for myself. So pick yourself up, back, pick yourself back up again and rebuild your life with the things that you learn from that experience and then just move forward. So that is the happy ending. That is, that is the, the part where it doesn't have to end there, but that is the reality of the situation. But there's so much to be gleaned from that experience if we're willing to just continue moving forward. Yeah. Well, and that's what I loved about it is that you have your story. It's so deep. It's so intertwined within this beautiful children's book, but that we can take other things. Like when I'm reading it to my kids, it's kind of like, Hey, it's okay to be different. You know, your book Mm -hmm. starts out with all of these houses lined up in a row. They're all the exact same. And then, you know, disaster strikes, tragedy strikes, and this house has to rebuild itself just to give a very brief (laughs) overview Mm -hmm. of the book. And, you know, for kids, it's like super watered, like not watered down, but super like 
you can be yourself. You can be individual. Mm -hmm. You can rebuild through hard things, even stuff like that. You know, there's different lessons that you can take through it, but also, um, I, I get thinking about the things that we've all kind of had to deconstruct, especially Mm -hmm. like collectively through the last couple of years, just as humans. And then I think just growing up is a part of that, like becoming an adult and really taking, like you said, I thought if I did this and followed these rules and applied this, that my life would be this. Mm -hmm. And then real life smacks us all in the face and says no. And so I, I liked the part, you know, the part of it, that's like, even if something from the outside doesn't deconstruct us, that sometimes Mm -hmm. our house just falls down. Mm -hmm. Like, and it's not going to be, you know, a, a 36 hour, three week quick rebuild. Mm-hmm. Like we see on, you know, HGTV where they come in <laughs> and just throw a new house together open floor plan. <laughs> or like just extreme home makeover, <laughs> you know, but that it's okay to like have this time of rebuilding and saying like, oh, this doesn't fit or this fits. And then, you know, I also enjoyed how from the outside looking in, it's like, oh, well, the shutters don't match or, oh, this is, Mm -hmm. and again, another lesson in there of being like, people are going to look at you and they're going to have their opinions. And Mm -hmm. there's going to be things that people might not agree with, or might not understand the reason why you're doing something. Like Mm -hmm. I'm telling you people, you don't even need to read like really like a ton of like self-help books this year, (laughs) like this, like little awesome children's book. will do it all for you. It'll get your, your mind thinking. So Um, anything else in there that really like, I don't know, like is deeper than that, or that you also felt when you were writing it? I think what you talked about and just for children that doesn't end in childhood or adolescence where people are either okay or not okay with your decisions, whether that's, you know, your sexual preferences or, what you decide to do or how you decide to raise your children. It happens all the time in motherhood, whether you decide to, you know, how you decide to feed your child or how you decide to sleep with your child or how you decide to dress your child, or, you know, if you teach them this, or if you teach them about, you know, how you go about celebrating holidays and whether or not you do or don't believe in it, like it it never ends. It's, it's never going to there. The judgment never stops. And so I I hope that if you can learn that as a child, that it's okay to be you and it's okay to stand firm in your own truth and continue moving forward in your life that, that not only do you be, not only are you able to live out your truth, but you can hold space and love for people living out their own truth. So I think that's part of the great thing about the book is, you know, some neighbors are okay with it and some neighbors are not. They're like, you totally just messed up my neighborhood. You just screwed this whole thing up because you fell down and you thought that it was okay to have a different color of shutters. And now, now our neighborhood's just totally messed up. Like you ruined it where other people see that. And they're like, wait, wait, time out. Like I can paint my shutters a different color. Like my door can be different. Like the angle doesn't have to be like this. Like I can do anything I want. And for me, that that starts as a little child where, you know, you can wear whatever you want. You can think whatever you want. And ours, in our house, it's confined to don't be dishonest and don't be mean. I mean, but yes, within those guidelines, tell the truth and and be kind while you're doing it. But really, there's a lot of space for for you to be able to, to live out your truth. But along with that comes giving other people the space and the time and the love and the support in then doing the same thing. 
Yeah. Well, and that's something that I like too, is that like you just said, it's giving other people either that space where you're learning like, oh, if I can do this, I can allow other people to do it too. But also giving people that, not that we need permission, but giving people that permission or that example of bravery of saying like, oh, if she can do this or if he can do this, what Mm -hmm. can I do? Or I can do the same thing or I can do, you know, the same thing, but different. Mm -hmm. And it's really, and this is just a thought that I just barely had about it is a book about compassion, self-compassion and compassion for other, other people and for our journeys and for letting them be messy. Like, I think Mm -hmm. that's, that's some of it is when we're going through hard stuff, we kind of want to slap a smile on and like pretend that we're doing it beautifully or, and I think part of doing it beautifully is letting it be messy and Mm -hmm. awful and not knowing what you're doing and being okay with that. Like Mm -hmm. being okay at the beginning, you said you like being like a lifelong learner. And I think that that's something that if we can put that kind of like expectation on ourselves of that, we're just learning. Like we're not supposed, I don't know what, I don't know when we get to a certain age where we suddenly think that we're supposed to just know things and we no longer get to learn or make mistakes anymore. But like, let's just throw that thought away. (laughs) Let's just get rid of it. And if we allow ourselves to just be these learners, like how much more compassionate the world becomes and how much more compassionate, like our inner circle becomes. Mm -hmm. Based off of conversations I've had with older people, it typically is the older I get, the less I, the the more I know, the the more that I realize, the less that I know. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Something. Yeah. Like the more things I learn, they're real. The more I realize I don't know it. There's something, there's some quote. (laughs) That one, that one, we just paraphrase that, that people understand what that is. But everyone knows what we're talking about. (laughs) Um, but no, I totally agree. The book, um, in the dedication, so I don't botch the dedication. I'm going to, I'm going to read it to you so that (laughs) I don't botch that too. Um, but it's dedicated. It says to the space makers and the love givers, you are the changers of the world. Um, and that's it. It's, it, it is the world will change when we love people and allow them space to live out their life. And I think especially through the pandemic, we've seen that there's such a huge issue that we have with polarizing opposites of, of political views or, or really anything. And I don't know if it's the fact that we are, you know, I, I think there's a lot of factors that have gone into it, but I believe that you can hold two separate viewpoints and still love another person. I have plenty of friends who don't see eye to eye with me on different things and I still love them. You know, you don't have to do the same thing that I do. And of course it comes down to in our household, it is don't lie and be kind. And, you know, as long as those views fall into those lines, that's, that's okay. And I think there's just a lot to be learned for holding space and allowing and helping other people through life, because it is, you know, you haven't walked the life of somebody else. You have no idea what that's like. There's to them, their actions are, are reasonable and the way that they're choosing yeah. to live their life. And, you know, it's, and then that's what the book did is I just tried to simplify that message into a house that changed the color of itself. And yeah, well, and you did it so beautifully too. And, you know, one of the, you say yours is be kind and be honest. One of my things that I say is be kind to be curious. Yes. And, you know, when I see people doing things where, here, I'll throw an example in from 2020 when 
some of the riots and things were going on. Mm -hmm. And I had a friend come on, on social media and she was just ranting and saying, you know, I don't even understand why someone would do that. Why, what would drive? And I said, then maybe you need to ask Mm -hmm. what would drive someone to do that, you know, and then taking it back to the book, say you're someone comes into the neighborhood, you see all these houses, you see the one house that's different. Mm -hmm. Instead of judging the house, Mm -hmm. you say, I wonder why or how they ended up different. And then you can go into their house and you can have a conversation with them and you get to know someone on a much deeper level where then you leave and you know something, you know, a deeper story. You're connected more to this house. (laughs) Yes. Instead of just a fleeting 2.5 second judgment. Mm-hmm. Like, does it take a little bit more work? Probably, but is it way more rewarding? And are you better connected to the people around you? Absolutely. Well, and I think too, with um, being in the pandemic and realizing how much need we have for interpersonal communication and, you know, being quarantined and having to just be in this small space with, you know, limited um ways to, to contact people. Um, we lived in Hawaii and it, you know, at the very beginning of the pandemic, the regulations were very strict. And so I found myself a lot of times just yearning for this connection with people. And it's awful that it takes something that's so drastic to just realize that life is about people and life is about relationships and life is about learning what we can from each other, because you can have, you can live, you know, I'm 35. I know you're somewhere around there. I'm 34. Right. Okay. With you. <laughs> uh, so, you know, your 34's life experience is completely different from mine. But what we have together is 69 years of experience that if we share what those are, we can glean so much from that rather than living this singular life where we just have this much experience. And so, to me, human relationship is so important because what I can do is say, oh my gosh, like your experience with this or your experience with this resonates with me so much. I find that with, you know, within my own life, like in just a very superficial way that, you know, your friends introduce you to new foods or new clothing brands or, and then you find yourself kind of like your spouse sort of becoming each other. And you're like, okay, because they, they know things you don't know about random things or that your belief systems begin to merge together or that they transform yours in a way we move a lot. So I've met a lot of different people in like that, you know, those times and and I can pinpoint things. This person gave me this and I still hold on to that. Like they gave me this new found love or truth. And this person gave me this and this person gave me this. And, and you then begin to be formed by the people who you, who you have in your life. Yeah. And whether they go away or stay there. Yeah. Well, and I think it also helps you realize who you are too, you know, in talking and in widening my circle and in widening my circle and like getting it more diverse and listening to people's different political views or how they raise their kids or like different just traditions or whatever. Then I'm able to like, look at that and be like, Oh, I do this differently. Why do I do this like this? And it gives Mm -hmm. you a chance to kind of like look in the mirror a little bit while you're getting to know other people, you're also getting to know yourself a little bit, which is yeah. also in your book where you're putting this, <laughs> like it all comes back. I'm like, we could have a whole chat about your children's book. And then I'm like, really? Could we, we could, we're going to, do- we're doing it, <laughs> but okay. So going, I'm going to get away from your book a little bit because 
while I love it and I love you and I love everything you've put out there, it, you're so much more and you offer so much more. And you're one of my favorite people to talk to. <laughs> like whenever I need something like deep or like, whiz, I'm like, Anna, Anna would know, <laughs> like, but in being a lifelong learner, like you said, are there things that you do or like intentionally like put yourself into certain places or like, how are you doing that? Like, how are you a lifelong learner? I try really hard. I think it's part of it as a personality trait. I am an Enneagram five. And so I am an investigator. And so innately, I just really like to learn about things. Um, and so I just have this insatiable need for knowledge. And if something interests me, I just read about it or listen to podcasts about it. So I'm constantly intaking information. Um, also, if there's ever an inkling of something, like I see someone doing something, um, for example, this year, um, someone showed up on my feed that was a weaver, right? And they just, they, they make tapestry. And I thought, oh my gosh, like that's a possibility. Like you can learn to do this. And then I kind of fell down this rabbit hole of what is this? What does it require to learn how to do? And most things really don't require a lot other than your time, which we do have excess of, because if I look at my phone, it says that I've been on social media for X number of hours, which then I realize, oh, I do have time. I'm just using it in different ways. So that is something that I do is if, if something, I don't know if it's, if it calls to me, if I, if there's, there's an interest, there's this connection where I see something and it, and it becomes this, this yearning that I have, that I want something from that. And I always try to listen to those things. Um, within reason. I mean, I also have four children and two of them are still little. And so finding balance in that is a lifelong struggle for me, but I, I follow those, those, those inklings. Um, and that can be in something artistic. It could be in something. Um, I've started to do some research on paganism because that, you know, nature-based religion, I, I feel that in my heart. And so I just, look it up and find books and start reading and it either continues down or I learn about it and then it's part of me and then I move on to something else. And so um, continually trying to learn things, I think for me is, is what I do. I also try to have times of solitude that's usually found in the mornings while I'm running. And during that time, it's almost kind of like you can take everything and sort it. Like it's kind of a time where things get filed away. Um, and I, I need solitude. So solitude inklings and, uh, research, I think for me, and then talking to people, I'm one of those people that if someone's at the park with me, I just, they're talking to you. <laughs> yeah. Well, because I want to talk to them. I mean, it's, yeah, they want to be talking to, but they're just scared that I won't want to talk to them. And most people are like that, you know, like most people want to have a conversation with you. It's just that we have all of us mostly have social anxiety where it's terrifying to really like put yourself out. It's a vulnerable position to just say, you know, hello, how are you? What's your, <laughs> how old is your child. And typically yeah. I found that if you start to talk about them, people are more than happy to talk about themselves. And so not, not in a selfish way, but you know, we want to share our stories. We have experience that we want to share with each other. And those are a couple of things that I try to do in the ways that have really helped, helped me in my life. 
Yeah. The thing that I love that you said is like following inklings, because I think so many times we will be, you know, scrolling social media and see someone do something like I am amazed by like the people who make clay earrings and I will get lost like in there, like how they put together the patterns and then they like cut it. And like, anyway, Mm -hmm. I could get lost in it and I could be like, okay, is that an inkling of something I'm interested in trying or learning more about and just following that and following it just to the point of where you're satisfied. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of times like we're afraid to start something new because we're afraid to quit something new. Mm-hmm. And I think if we can like give ourselves permission to be able to just like explore without like any, like there's no other like, expectation there mm-hmm. other than that. Cause I know for me, especially like there is a fear of that. Like, well, if I don't finish it, I'm not going to start it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's fine. It's okay to figure out like, okay, turns out this actually isn't for me. Turns out like this isn't lighting me up the way I thought it might. Turns out I really actually don't have the time, which is a lie, but whatever. <laughs> no, but I think you you only do have a certain amount of time. Like, um, I think you've read the book Big Magic by Elizabeth uh-huh. Gilbert. And she talks about how, you know, we have this other part of our life and not everything has to make money. That was a really big hurdle for me when I was younger that I thought that if I went down some path that, that it had to have some sort of reward, like the reward couldn't just be increased knowledge of something. Um, or I would look at somebody else's life and say, Oh my gosh, like I would never get to the point that they're at. That's okay. Like I don't, I could learn how to make a piece of jewelry and not be a professional silversmith. You know what I mean? Like, or, you know, there's, there's all of these things where I think sometimes social media also makes it so that we have hesitancies to try something because what we're seeing is the highlight reel of, of, of someone else's life. Like you didn't see, you know, we're on zoom right now and you can see my studio, which right now is filled with books, but I would never put, I mean, I, I would, because that's who I am, but a lot of people, you would never see this part of like yeah. their experience, the part where their jewelry was ugly or their clay didn't turn into a flower. It turned into a brown blob or all of those things where most people can learn how to do most things if they put enough time and energy into it. The fact of the matter is, is we have limited time and energy and discretionary income where we do have to pick and choose what we want to really focus our time on. But that doesn't mean you can't take one class in pottery and say, yeah, I learned, I made this one mug, right? Like, and that was the yeah. extent of your pottery experience. That's fine. Yeah. I had a really good conversation with our friend, Marissa, about this same thing. And the idea that we had, this was a while ago and I can link to it wherever it is. Um, but the idea was to be a trier mm-hmm. and to just try things. And like, like, yeah, like you don't have to be like, oh, I'm now going to be an artist. I'm yes. now going to be a painter. It's like, I took a paint class and I'm certainly not going to sell it for any money, but like, <laughs> I had a lot of fun painting, you know, like, and along the same lines, we don't have all the time in the world. We don't have all the resources in the world. And so if you do not to be like morbid, but like, if you do have an inkling or like a curiosity to try something like now's the time, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like, you know, on the flip side, we don't have a lot of time, but yeah, we don't have a lot of time. Like we're here now experiencing life. So like, let's experience it. Let's get out of our way. Let's Mm -hmm. put these like weird fear stories that we have or these, you know, even like you said, with talking to someone at the park, it's because we have these stories in our head of like, oh, well, they're probably busy. They probably don't want to talk to me, blah, blah, blah. And we're running this like dialogue in our head. that's completely false and made up. 
Mm-hmm. And if they don't want to talk to you, they'll say no, thank you, or get up and move or whatever. And like, that's mm-hmm. done. It's done. It's like not a big deal. Uh, well, I met, met some of my best friends at the park. Like literally it's like, you're like now my best friend that I have in a, in a place where I live, where it's like, if I wouldn't have talked to you, like this whole entire, you know, part of your life would be so different because you didn't open up that door. And there are some things that, you know, even with writing this book, you know, I could have just said, man, no, I don't have time. But it has been such this huge, like eye-opening experience and going back to the book, right? Like, so at the beginning, all of the houses are lined up in rows. Why? Because societal pressure makes us think that we all have to be the same and we all have to do the exact same things because that's, and you're taught that in public school. I mean, my children attend public schooling, so I have nothing against it, but that, that is society runs better when people step in line. But the actuality of the situation is that we all have unique characteristics and traits that we then have to unlearn those things that are deeply ingrained in us. Also, as a mother of four children, it's a whole lot easier to parent my children when they just listen to me, stand in line, do exactly what I say. You know, theoretically, this is all a great idea, but it's hard to parent and it's hard to have school and it's hard to do all of the things to make society run smoothly like that. But, you know, that's, that's how the book starts. All of these children... these houses lined up in rows where you then have to, you come to the world innately curious and then it gets taken out of you. (laughs) Yeah. A hundred percent. And you know, going to the mom thing, you have four kids, I have three kids and it's like, yeah, it's way easier when everything (laughs) is lined up in rows. And then it's interesting because it's like, okay, we're trying to like teach and parent them, but we're also kind of like deconstructing and parenting (laughs) ourselves at the same time. So like add another child on there that like we're trying to parent at the same time. And I know support your spouse through the same thing. Oh my gosh. Right. Like (laughs) there's, it's a lot. And so like, everyone just take a step back and like big deep breath. Like we've all got this, but you know, I'm listening to a lot of things we're saying where it's like, make time for this and, and, you know, get to know yourself. And I'm sure if you're a mom who most of you are, you're like, okay, that sounds great in theory, but like there's mouths to feed, there's clothes Mm -hmm. to do, there's all of this stuff. And so making that a priority and like making the time for that, like, is there like a mindset shift you've had to do or like something you tell yourself to make yourself that priority, like good is good enough. My mom taught me that. And I think sometimes with people who, you know, have spent adolescence as high performers or liking things a certain way, when you become a mother and you realize that you don't have control of certain things, it becomes very difficult. And there's a shift that happens where you have a set amount of time. You have a lot of things that have to be done. And my, you know, philosophy for parenting young children was always they're fed and clothed and bathed. Those were the three things that if I knew that my children were those things, that everything was fine and everything else didn't have to be perfect. Like those were the things that needed to happen. And I needed to have the things I needed to have too on top of that. So I think lowering your expectations is really like a big, big thing. And um, also trying to learn from them has been a really, um, heart-wrenching and hard thing for me to do, but to see how they come out, they all come out so different that you have to know that all of these children are not the same. You know, it's, it's, I am, I am a firm believer in, in nature uh, versus nurture. I, I am team yeah. nature. A child comes out how the child's going to come out. And 
learning from them that you do have innate gifts and you do have incredible things about you that if you can, I try to do that with my children. So if there's some type of connection that they have, or I see that they have an inkling for something, I try to create space for it. Um, I have one daughter who's very creative and that's really hard for her sister because they share a space and the other child <laughs> is a perfectionist and it, it they yep. clash, but both of those things are valid personality traits and valid gifts that they both have, but they don't mesh. And so in our house, the little creative one now has a little corner of my studio where that's her creative space because as a creative, you like there needs to be space for that where no one else is going to mess it up. And, you know, or children who have, um, my kids aren't in organized sports, but I do notice that some of them have more of a, like a desire or an inkling towards things that involve gross or fine motor skills where it's like, okay, how can I provide a space for this child to do that? And in so doing, I'm also providing my space, my, you know, being a participant in that too, where I can also experience those things with them at the same time. So you're bonding with your child, you're giving them space to do the things that they need to do, but you're also finding ways to also, you know, guide them so that you can enjoy the activity as well, if that makes sense. Yeah. No, I love what you're saying about, you know, I have a creative daughter and good <laughs> night. Is she a mess? Like, yeah. oh my gosh, her stuff, like she would take over our house. She basically yeah. has. And, you know, and so, but giving them a spot rather than, because this is where it's so imperative. You can tear that down, right? Yes. You can change that dialogue to you are so messy. Mm-hmm. Everywhere you go is a tornado. You leave a mess, like all of this stuff where then this child is like, oh my gosh, this natural like inkling of me of who mm-hmm. I just naturally am is bad. Mm-hmm. They get crushed. Rather. Yeah. And like, you know, and we don't even think about that. Like, I think it's just getting so much more aware and like listening to like the things that we're doing, the actions that we're taking. Whereas it's like, Hey, this is a talent of yours. Let's do it here. Let's give you the support that you need in order to have the things that are innately you mm-hmm. shine and be the most positive, like expression of you that they can be rather than like a burden, quote unquote, mm-hmm. like on somebody else. I don't know. I thought I didn't even think about that until you were saying that about your daughter, but that how, how differently we can crush those things, you know, say with any child trait, I'm thinking about, you know, the child that wants to be the center of attention. That's I, mm-hmm. hi, that was me. Like <laughs> that's like <laughs> on a stage all the time that wants this stuff. And it could be like, you're so loud. You're always disrupting. You're always interrupting. You're always doing these things instead of like, you're a natural leader. Let's mm-hmm. find you a place to do this. Let's get you on a debate team, mm-hmm. you know, where, where you're finding ways to look at those natural strengths in your children and funnel them into something that is, you know, going to help them grow and develop those rather than crush them. And rather than mold them, like you said, into the straight line of rows of houses mm-hmm. that we do, we, we, I believe in nature too. We all come so different, <laughs> so different. <Yes. laughs> and anyone that has kids is like, yes, <laughs> I believed in nurture until my second daughter was born. And then I was like, whoa, well, I didn't, I didn't actually make my first child such a great child. (laughs) (laughs) I totally believe that too. It's so funny. Like my oldest is the sweetest child in the world. And I, as his mom, I want to take, I should take credit for all of it. I'm like, no, he's just, that's who he is. They came that way. Yeah. Yeah. But like, it's so easy for us as, 
moms and as dads and as parents to see that in our kids and be like, oh, that's who they are. They're wonderful. And we accept these things. And it's like everyone is someone's kid. Mm-hmm. Everyone came here. You know, everyone is just special and unique and awesome because they are a human. Like, mm-hmm. and if I don't know, like that's been my big thing over the last couple of years is just like, can we just like step back and widen that lens and just have the feelings that we have for the people closest to us that we love so much and care about because we know them. If we can just widen that and allow that to be the lens in which we view everyone through, mm-hmm. you know, and that's kind of what I got through your book too, with just looking at this house and just being like, wow, I wouldn't do it that way, mm-hmm. but they would. And that's beautiful. And that's, you know, bringing it back to your book. Um, because how much more beautiful is the world when it's filled with colors and differences and all of those things like it's just so much better like because really we've all lived in suburbia before and it's a little boring right like (laughs) tract tract housing it it is it's it's like yeah sure but it's it's not fun or exciting or yeah it's clean and organized and like looks nice but Yeah. yeah it's not exciting Okay. So there's one other line in your book that I love so much and it it's towards the end. It's sometimes it takes time when finding your way. Did mm-hmm. I butcher that or is that correct? Nope. That's it. The little house knew it would all be okay. Sometimes it takes time when finding your way. Okay. So that's what I wanted to touch on. We've touched on, you know, the letting other people and taking that kind of outside, but instead now you're the house and something has destroyed you mm-hmm. and you are broken. And I think we've all been there before where you're just broken. You're destroyed. Your house is flooded. It's burned down. There's things missing. You don't even remember what your house looked like before. You know, this is you. That line is so like, it's like something you can like grip and hold on to and be like, it's going to be okay. Mm -hmm. It just, there's not a timeline for finding your way, which is unfortunate because it'd be lovely (laughs) if we could have a countdown. I remember- side tangent. I remember when I was in labor with my oldest and my epidural didn't work. And I was trying to like hypnobirth my way through this thing. (laughs) And I was like, if I knew what the end was, like if I only, if I knew how long I had to do it, I could do it. Cause then I could like count down, but it was the not knowing when I was going to be able to like breathe again and not feel pain again. That was like the hard part. And you know, when we went through struggles or trials in like our life and our marriage. Like that was the thing where I was like, if I just knew when it would end and when I'd be back to like, quote unquote, normal, like then I'd be able to get through it. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, hello, everyone. Welcome to life. <laughs> like It doesn't work that way. And so that Welcome line, you podcast. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. But like, but it is good because we know that we're all there. Like we're not the only one who didn't get like the deadline the memo that we know when it's going to be over, but that it's okay. It, it, it never ends. You know, you've mean, you have talked about that before that like you might get your house rebuilt. And I think you said, but then you need to renovate the bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> and then in renovating the bathroom, you realize that, you know, there's mold under the shower and then it's like, it, it doesn't, it doesn't end. And I think for me, that was one of the biggest lessons I learned during my own life experience during that time. Um, on a more personal note, a lot of like a lot of what my cataclysmic event was, 
that I'm writing about was actually a faith transition where, you know, my entire foundational belief system no longer made sense to me. And I thought, what am I going to do? Like, it literally became this place of there's nothing I can piece together except for that I know there is purpose in life. Like, that was it. I had one block and the block was, I know I am loved and I know there is purpose. And that was it. Like, everything else that I had taught, I didn't know whether or not I did or didn't believe it. And then it was like this place of you pick up a rock and you're like, okay, do I want this one or not? Then you have to do the whole process over again with the single stone. And it's like, yes, no, yes, no, maybe hold on to it halfway. Let's wait on that one. And then make, then you come back to it. I mean, it, it is a long process to like rebuild some of these things in our life that, that happen, you know, relationships. And like you talked about, you know, things in your marriage or anything that you go through oftentimes is this place of, sure, I could have quickly put my house back together and pretended it was just fine, but I didn't want to do that again because I wanted to make sure that like I was building on what I actually believed in. And I still, you know, have problems with that. What am I supposed to teach my kids? Like I, I, within your own uncertainty, like how do you teach certainty to your children when you're living in this world of, wait, I used to know something and now I don't like, how do you parent through that? And that was part of it too, where I was like, I got to hurry through this. And it was like, or you can take your kids along. And if they ask you a question, just say, you know what? I actually don't even know. I don't know, but we can research it together and you can make your own decision. No, like, because that's kind of what they're going to have to do eventually anyway. (laughs) Exactly. And empowering them to make those now is so key. You know, I'm, I'm really similar to you in that same way as that I had a lot of faith transition or I, I like to call it expansion Yes, because that makes me feel better. (laughs) For sure. Expansion. (laughs) Language, you know, switching my language. Although I still feel like mine only has a couple of blocks. Right. (laughs) It still hasn't expanded, but, but yes, in terms of, but even it's expanded, but you've picked and chosen the blocks that you want. You know what I mean? Uh Tangent on my words. It's fine. Um, (laughs) but no, like I think especially those of us who did grow up in religion and organized religion and went, you know, very um, consistently and had these things that were told to us by adults in our life and authority in our life about certainty, 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 like this is the thing, this is it. And then, you know, we have something in our adult life that kind of rocks that belief a little bit or challenges us. And then suddenly everything falls apart, (laughs) you know? And I think while it's nice to have somebody tell you something for certain, I like being able to tell my kids something not for certain, mm-hmm. you know, and like that it's okay that the grownups in your life don't know, because I don't know. I know that that's kind of scary for some people to not like be the authority in your, I mean, I'm still the authority in my kid's life, but like letting them know, like, Hey, I'm a human too, on this journey mm-hmm. too. I'm just a couple years ahead of you. I've got a little bit more experience. So for me, it's like, when I tell you something that I actually know, You're Mm going to believe that I know it because Mm I've had the experience to back it up. When I tell you, I don't know something and we can figure it out to get like, it builds trust a little bit more, at least in my experience that when I can tell them, I don't know something that when I tell them I do, they're like, oh, she actually does because, you know, like rather than just me blowing steam (laughs) all of the time or, or whatever. So I don't know. It's one of those. 
yeah, go on. Say your event was not in that type of nature, right? Say your cataclysmic event was something that dealt with loss and then you're experiencing grief and that's a whole other ballgame that's part of the human experience where you have this grief that consumes everything. And yeah, of course we want to get over it and we want to move on and we want some type of closure and it does never go away, you know? So there are a lot of things in our life too that while it would be really nice to have a timeline in terms of like, when does this stage of grief end? That we also aren't given, right? Or, and again, back to like being a parent and a mother, it allows your child to see that sadness and grief and emotion are human experiences that I actually can feel and express because I think in generations past, it was yeah, pick up the pieces and move on. Like, we don't do this. We don't play this game. Like, we, we just keep working. And I think that a lot of trauma is caused that way because we don't deal with something while it's occurring. We just, you know, sweep it under the rug and our house still looks pretty on the outside. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. The house looks pretty on the outside. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> that's, that's like the big thing that I took from it is that whether or not it's an outside force, like a storm or something that's going to tear your house down from the outside or whether it's on the inside and your house is crumbling or that you decided to actually take a sledgehammer to it. Like there's a number of reasons why, why things are going to fall or crumble or be remodeled or whatever, sticking with this analogy. And this is probably why I love the book so much because I'm such an analogy nerd, but (laughs) 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 yes, everything in life is an analogy for me. Um, but the, I don't know, just the big takeaway for me is, is, I mean, there's a lot, but the biggest one is that we're always in that stage of rebuilding until the day we die. And then probably even more after that. I sure have. <laughs> I do too, you know, and, and just being cool with that. Like, I think if that's where we're at, where you're just like, I'm constantly rebuilding and it might be me doing it on purpose. It might be from outside sources, but like, that's what this is. And that's what I'm here for and allowing yourself to go through that process and allowing others to go through that process. And then life just becomes more beautiful and more colorful and illustrated, just like your book. (laughs) (laughs) So that's my takeaway. Um, like I said, you don't even need to go get any other like personal development books, which I'm a huge junkie for. You just need this one this year because it touches on so many different things and you can make it mean whatever you want to for you. So Anna, I know you're currently in the process. Hopefully when this airs, you'll be somewhat settled somewhere. I don't know. Your year looks kind of crazy, but where can someone get your book and um, I know that you've got a couple different like things that you've been doing with that as well. Like what's going on with that? The book is available uh, only on my website. Um, so at some point in time, I'll probably have a soft cover available on Amazon, but I chose to do it purely through my personal website. And so it's AnnaLeeLandon.com, A-N-N-A-L-E-E-L-A-N-D-I-N. Um, and yeah, that's also my Instagram handle, AnnaLeeLandon. Um, so we're doing the book thing and yes, we're moving in a couple of weeks. <laughs> so we'll be in transition for a little while. Um, we've, yeah, that's, that's All right. what's happening. <laughs> is this, this is move what? 22? <laughs> well, 
in my in my lifetime i think i okay. counted it as move 20, 27 or 28 oh but my gosh. as a family i think this is my my 7 year old's eighth house that they'll live in so we've we've moved quite a bit but you are a rock star no it has been filled with a lot of incredible experiences so that's awesome Okay, well, I've got everything linked. If you want to get her book, you can head right over there. It's in the show notes. It's also on my website, jessielarson.com. Anna, I can't wait till I get to hug you in real life. (laughs) But thanks for chatting with me today. Thank you. Thank you for hanging out with me again today. I'm so glad you pressed play. If you want to take a quick second to share this episode with someone you think would love it too, that would be amazing. If you're loving the show, make sure you go and leave a review on iTunes. Reviews are like magic for podcasts, and your review will help get this show into the ears of more amazing women just like you. And come find me over on Instagram. I'm there at positively.jessie, and I cannot wait to hang out with you some more. So until next time, have an amazing week.